Whether you use Periscope, Blab, YouTube Live, Google Plus Hangouts on Air, or any other live streaming technology, here are 10 tips for streaming live shows. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 236. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. One of the big things that is a new craze at this time, and that is late 2015, is this new wave of live streaming technologies available. We've had Periscope and Blab and Meerkat now for what seems like a long time, but it's really been just a short time. But there have been live streaming technologies available at our grasp for many years from mobile devices. Like you may remember Quick or the rise of services like Livestream.com or Ustream or YouTube Live and Google Plus Hangouts and Air. Some of these technologies are making this live streaming capability more accessible to more people and in new ways and providing new features. Some of them are simply continuing on with the tradition. But regardless of what technology you're considering, and these technologies will come and go, ultimately, you need to learn how to host a good show when you're live streaming. And the technology really doesn't matter to the quality of your live stream. It's your skill that makes your show good or bad when you live stream it. So regardless of whether you're using Periscope, Blab, Meerkat, YouTube Live, Google Plus Hangouts on Air, or any other tool that may come or go, I think that these will help you to host a better live show. You can follow along in the show notes for episode 236 at com slash live tips. Number one, have good reasons to go live. Number two, become a better host. Number three, focus on your content. Number four, speak to your primary audience. Number five, learn how to use the right tools. Number six, include your live audience intentionally. Number seven, plan for repurposing. Number eight, ensure quality audio. Number nine, light yourself well. And number 10, promote your own platform, not someone else's. Again, you can follow along in the show notes and get any of the links that I mentioned at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash live tips. Number one, have good reasons to go live. In this year, 2015, Blab, Periscope, and Meerkat seem like fun new toys, but you need to remember they are only tools. And as such, they might simplify the process of going live Or they might give you the ability to connect with your audience or with other people in some particular new way. Like Blab, for example, has a Brady Bunch approach, which maybe that's even too dated to say Brady Bunch. But it's where at this time, four people can be on a Blab at the same time and they each have a quarter of the screen. The video that you download afterward is a little bit different in its formatting, depending on how many guests that you had join you. But regardless of the technology that you use... You need to choose some good reasons why you're getting into live streaming. Don't simply say, oh, I'm going to get into live streaming because Blab is popular. Here's the truth. At this time, Blab is not popular. Periscope 
isn't actually that popular either. Periscope is more popular than Blab at this time. Meerkat came into the game first in 2015 in this new wave of mobile streaming and easy mobile streaming, especially integrating with Twitter. But each platform has their own uniquenesses to that, and I'll dig more into that in a little bit. But you really need to have good reasons for going live, not only because you want to use the tool. Here are some examples of good reasons, and you could come up with many other good reasons beyond this, but it could be that you want to offer the live interaction. You want to have a dialogue with your audience. You want your audience to be able to easily participate in the conversation with you and it not be only a monologue or a presentation. Maybe you want to host an event online immediately following some kind of time-specific event, like a post-game show or something right after a TV show airs. Then you come together and you share your live initial reactions. Maybe you want to hold yourself accountable to creating new content by a specific deadline. And that's one of the reasons I first started getting into live streaming, because I wanted my audience to depend on my content being there on a regular basis and knowing I have to have something to share by this time at this day. For the Audacity to Podcast, that's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Mondays over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash live, as well as maybe other platforms simultaneously. Another good reason is maybe you want to give your audience a place to interact with each other while you're sharing your content. And a chat room, a live show is a great way to do that because your audience can start interacting with each other, answering each other's questions, getting to know each other. You're building a community that way. There are many other reasons that you could want for doing a live show. Many reasons are good, some maybe not so good, but the most important thing is to have good reasons for going live, not simply because you want to leverage a new tool. Maybe the tool does enable something that you couldn't have done very easily before, like Google Plus Hangouts on Air and Blab do make it easier to have a multi-host show that's live streamed. Before, you'd have to do weird kind of Uh, mixing and video mixing and strange stuff with Skype and multiple computers and spend a lot of money. YouTube Live or powered by Google Plus Hangouts on Air and Blab as well make certain abilities a bit easier and of course much cheaper to do that kind of thing. So this is number one, have good reasons to go live. The numbers on live are not that impressive really. Yes, the interaction is great and it can be addicting in some ways, but you're not going to massively grow your audience by doing a live show. So keep that in mind. Number one, have good reasons to go live. Number two, become a better host. The tool that you use is only as good as you are at using it. There are many live streaming tools that allow many people to reach an audience in real time. Some of these tools are so accessible that anyone with a smartphone could just instantly start live streaming and have some sizable audience. Maybe it would be only three or four. Maybe it could be a couple hundred, depending on what platform and leverage they already have. But live streaming a show really requires a whole new level of skill in how you present the information and how you host the content. And this is the kind of stuff that you wouldn't normally get in any kind of offline recording. Like when I record the Audacity to Podcast, even though I am doing it live, I am mostly doing this alone. 
I'm not interacting with people. I don't have interruptions of someone asking a question that I need to pause the show and respond to that question. And this is the way that I've chosen to host the Audacity podcast. I'll get more into the reason for that choice in a moment. But some of the things that you need to get good at in live streaming are multitasking, moderating, avoiding distractions, presenting clearly the first time because you might not be able to edit yourself. And there are several other things and skills required for live streaming that you might not have if you're used to recording on your own. That doesn't mean you can't get them. And certainly every time that you live stream, you might build on these skills and develop them further and further. But don't expect to be as good of a live streamer as you are a regular podcaster because it's really a completely different environment. If you watch live streams, and Blab makes this really easy to see what live streams are going on at that time, but you'll often see some pretty poor hosting skills, like people talking over each other, maybe they're derailing the conversation, there's no structure whatsoever in the conversation or the topic that's being presented, and many other things that can really make for a bad show on some otherwise good technology. Yeah, a lot of this stuff does happen normally. In our conversations where we talk over each other, we interrupt, we change the subject and stuff like that. And it can be easier to follow that kind of train of thought and sometimes interruptions of a train of thought in person because you have body language. You have some sort of spatial relationship with the people who are talking. You are a certain distance from them. You can tell who's talking by which ear you're hearing them out of. You can point your face one way or the other and you hear one person a little bit better. You can focus in on what one person is saying over another person. But in live streaming, the technology blends all of this together and doesn't make it as smooth as an in-person experience. Some of this could be related to what's called half-duplexing, where when one person is talking, they can't hear what the other person is saying. So you might see this often in live shows, regardless of the technology they use, but someone starts speaking and they realize someone else is speaking. And so they stop and they say, what, wait, what'd you say? No, wait, no, you go for it. No, I'll, I'll, I'll you, no, wait. Uh, it, it. And it just, it's really annoying to try to listen to. Part of that is because they don't hear the other person speaking while they're speaking. That's what half duplex is. Full duplex is where you hear at the same time as you are talking. But even then, you have to have good skills as a host in order to moderate that conversation and have the conversation flow nicely. So this is number two tip. Become a better host and your live streams will be much better. And in fact, your regular podcast episodes will become much better as you learn to become a better host. Todd Cochran talks about this often because he does a lot of live shows. And what he loves about live is the challenge it presents to him to be a better host because he does not want to do any editing afterward. So whatever is recorded, with very few exceptions, is what goes out into the podcast feed. So he needs to make sure that what goes out is high quality material presented really well. Thus, he focuses on being a better host, a better presenter. That's tip number two. Number three, focus on your content. Most likely, you're live streaming to share a message or participate in some kind of conversation. Thus, don't get distracted by whatever tool that you're using. And that can be really easy to do, depending on the tool. Social live streaming platforms like Periscope and Blab and Meerkat do give the viewers 
the ability to very easily distract you, like with real-time feedback through comments, or maybe it's simple reactions like props or hearts or likes or whatever other terminology is used for whatever platform you're on. It can be okay to acknowledge this kind of interaction from the audience, but don't let that distract you from the content. If I'm talking here, oh, hey, by the way, thanks, Jim, for all of those props. I really appreciate that. Or thank you for all of those hearts. Oh, wait, you're saying, oh, uh, oh, hey, Jim, thanks for joining me in the live show. You see what just happened? That was simulated, but it's an interruption to the content. It gets me off track and it can be really distracting to you as the listener or the viewer that can be neat to be acknowledged. And I'm not saying don't acknowledge your live audience, depending on the technology you're using and other tools that you're using, it may not be all that easy to acknowledge them. Like maybe you're live streaming from a mobile device and the comments go by so quickly that you can't really read them. There are workarounds to that, but uh, maybe it's the comments are too small on your screen. And so you have to look at them somewhere else or whatever it could be. The most important thing is for you to focus on sharing that content that you wanted to share. Then you can acknowledge some of the props or the likes or anything like that. When you're recording, it's also best not to discuss the production problems. Maybe simply excuse them or try to address the problems through chat instead of addressing it through the recording. For example, it could be really easy to say, hey, Bob, your lighting's really low. What do you can you put a light in front of you? Can you fix that? And then people end up hearing that. That's really unnecessary. When I could just type out in the chat room, maybe when someone else is talking, I could type out that comment, say, hey, could you put a light in front of you so I can see your face a little bit better? Or can you get a little closer to the microphone? That kind of thing. And if they can be a good host as well, then they can look at that comment after they finish speaking instead of interrupting their train of thought while they're speaking and distracting them from the content. So this is number three, focus on your content. Number four, speak to your primary audience. As much as the latest social media tools often seem to be the internet's newest crush, it's very likely that the number of people that you get watching you on one of these new platforms is a very, very, very small percentage compared to the people who listen to your content or watch your content through other platforms, especially if you're in podcasting. If you host an audio podcast, you might see only 1% of your audience show up for a live show. I see that frequently with the podcasts that I host live, like the Audacity to Podcast, our Clean Comedy Podcast, or our Once Upon a Time Podcast. Yes, we do get some great interaction, and sometimes we've had as many as 150 people watching live for one of the shows, but that is still a very small percentage compared to everything else, and it's always going to be a small percentage compared to the primary audience, which might be listening to this afterward. If you have a show that is only on Blab or YouTube or something like that, then you know that you are probably reaching more of your audience then, but when you're live streaming you're most likely reaching a very, very small portion of your audience. Thus, the majority of your audience won't see the chat room. They won't see what you're holding up to the camera or what you're gesturing to. They won't see your body language. They won't see your expressions. Because of this, you need to keep this in mind and speak to your primary audience. 
if I hold up something and say, this is an awesome thing. I love this. I especially like this thing right here. It's my favorite feature of this. And I absolutely love it. Or the ability to press this right here totally makes this a win. If you're listening to this, then you have no idea whatsoever of what I was talking about. But if you were watching it, yes, you would see that I held up a remote that remotely controls the power to some of my lights in my studio. And then it can make more sense when you're looking at what I'm pointing out. But the majority of my audience is going to hear me. So I need to describe it and say, one of the things that I love about this wireless remote is that I can turn on each light individually or at the bottom of the remote, there's a button that allows me to turn on all of the lights or turn off all of the lights. Now I've explained it for my primary audience. Now you understand what I'm talking about. Even if you're watching me, you can still understand it even more because you can add my words to what you see. But even if you didn't see what I was showing you, you could still understand it because I'm describing it that way. So don't think of show and tell. Think of tell and tell. You might have the advantage of showing as well, but most likely the majority of your audience is listening to you through audio and they might be listening to you much later. They might not get to interact live. So don't alienate your audience by catering to your live audience. Cater to your primary audience, wherever that is. And most likely, if you're a podcaster using live streaming, most likely the majority of your audience will be time-shifted listening to it much later, not live. This is number four. Speak to your primary audience. Number five, learn how to use the right tools. Blab, Periscope, Meerkat, YouTube Live, with or without Google Plus Hangouts on air, and whatever other live streaming tools might be available, and they will come and go. They all have something unique about them, and they also all have certain technology quirks to them. Blab, for example, uses HTML5 in order to access your camera and your microphone, but the way that they're accessing it means that you can't change your audio or video inputs during a blab. You have to change it and then refresh the page. Okay, so that complicates things a little bit, especially if you start a blab and realize you're using the wrong inputs and then you refresh and then you lose the blab and then you have to start a new blab. And there are things like that for all of the other platforms too, certain things to be aware of like where you are standing in landscape mode with Periscope video, now that Periscope finally supports horizontal video, the way that video is supposed to be recorded and displayed. And it supports it pretty well too, but there are still some certain concerns with that. And all of these technologies do have certain use cases that are more ideal than others. So don't jump on a tool only because it's the latest, greatest thing. Use a tool when it's the right tool for the job. And you need to learn how to use that tool well. If it's Periscope, learn how do you record in Periscope? How do you plug another microphone into Periscope? If it's Blab, learn how to change your audio and video inputs. Learn how to moderate uh, the chat or learn how to allow people to join or disallow people to join. Learn how to kick people if someone comes on and completely ruins things. Learn how to use the tool and learn the right tool to use. And this can depend a lot on you, on your show, on your audience, on your approach to the content. 
For example, if you don't have a good internet connection, then live video is probably not a good thing for you because it won't rarely work very well with your poor internet connection. Or if you don't need audience interaction for your show, then live streaming might not be right for you because then the audience who is there live might feel alienated that you're not interacting with them at all. Or maybe your audience isn't very tech savvy. So to jump on some super uber tech savvy platform means that you're really not going to reach your audience when instead you should focus on something simpler. This is number five. Learn how to use the right tools. Number six, include your live audience intentionally. Some platforms do focus more on live interaction than others. Like Blab, for example, makes it really easy for anyone to click on the join button and participate in the conversation with you as like a co-host or a guest in your show. But regardless of whether it's involving a participant or the comments or any other method for including your live audience, don't merely let it happen and then interrupt your message, but be intentional with how you incorporate the responses or the interactions and such. This goes back to being a good host and focusing on your content. It might not be appropriate for you to interrupt your content and acknowledge someone in the chat room who just showed up. Say, hey, Bob, thank you for joining me. It's great to see you here. And now what was I saying? That kind of thing can be distracting. But there might be a point in your episode when you would say big thanks to everyone who's watching live right now. I see John and Jim and Bob and Laura and Susie and Eileen. Thank you very much, guys, for watching the live show. We do this live every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern time over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash live. So what I've done there is I was intentional in including the audience in some way. Your show may be able to include them intentionally in other ways. Like maybe you make a comment and then the chat room corrects you on something, or maybe you were a little bit unsure of something and the chat room gives you the information. And then you can say when it's appropriate, point out so-and-so in the chat room said that it's such and such, or Emily shared this certain feedback while we were discussing, or Jim provided this idea. You're incorporating them intentionally, not being controlled by the live interactions. You also need to be really careful with whom you let participate in your live events. For some countries, like in the USA for sure, there might be certain rules against allowing a child under 13 years old to participate in social networks, any kind of social network, really. You look at Facebook and many forums and other social networks, and they do say you must be 13 or older to use this. You also need to be discerning in preventing one particular person from dominating the conversation. Like if you do a live show where you welcome anyone to come into the show with you, it could be very easy for one person to get on and try to stay on for the whole time. You, as a skilled host, need to be able to get the valuable content from them and then move on. Sometimes that may even mean disconnecting them after they've asked their question. That's what they often do on the radio is someone asks a question, the host starts to answer, and then they disconnect you so that the host has full freedom to answer without your interrupting and without your taking over the show. Another thing to look for, especially on platforms like Blab, where someone can click that join button and anyone can click it as long as you have it open, is to watch out for who shouldn't be joining. Sometimes you can tell by the username 
or by their avatar. What you could also look at is how quickly did they request to join? I've seen this happen in a couple blabs where someone comes on and it shows up right away. So-and-so joined. And then they click the join button to join the conversation. They come on and maybe they don't even speak the language of the hosts. Maybe they thought they had to click join in order to watch. Maybe they're just experimenting. Maybe they have no value whatsoever to bring. So watch out for these things and be cautious in how you do this. Remember, you need to protect your audience. You are the moderator here, and it's really up to you to decide who gets in and who doesn't and what content that you want to share with your audience. You need to protect your audience. But when you include your audience, do so intentionally. That's number six. Number seven, plan for repurposing. Although you may intend this recording and live stream for your audio podcast only, there might be the option for you to repurpose some or all of that content on other platforms. Like if you record into Blab, then maybe you leave that recording in Blab and that's another way that people can consume your content. Or maybe you upload that video to YouTube or you cut little snippets from it and you share those on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else like that. So think about how can you repurpose this presentation, not merely the audio of your session, but maybe the video. Maybe you send out the video to your email list. Maybe you make the video an exclusive opt-in offer for your email list to say to them, if you'd like to see our conversation and the unedited conversation that we had, then subscribe to the email list and we'll send you that link. Anything like that. Look at ways that you can repurpose what you're doing so that you could reach a new audience or reach your existing audience in maybe some better ways and engage with them a little bit better. That's number seven, plan for repurposing. Number eight, ensure quality audio. This is the most important production point for video, audio. Because if people can't hear you, then your video is almost worthless unless you're doing sign language or text only on the screen. You may not be able to control the audio quality of your live participants, but you certainly can request certain things ahead of time, like they must be wearing headphones, the sound cannot come through their speakers, and they should have a headset or some kind of microphone or be close to their microphone and have nothing going on in the background, like no radio or TV or music or anything like that. Sure, you can put those rules out paste them in the chat room every now and then. You don't have to say them in your show and thus interrupt your content for the live audience. But do try to ensure that quality audio, certainly for yourself. This is really important. There is no reason that you should not have high quality audio if you're taking this at all seriously. Even if you have a mobile device and you're using that, there's some really easy ways to get high quality audio into that mobile device. If you're live streaming for your computer, then most likely you already have a way of integrating your high quality podcast audio equipment into the computer. Maybe that's something like the ATR2100, which has a USB plug and it plugs right into a computer and you can use that as your microphone or maybe your mixer can connect to your computer in some way so that you're using your nice studio equipment. But if you're live streaming from a mobile device, it's not as obvious how you can get good audio quality from that. So I've got some links in the show notes for some specific recommendations for iOS, Android, Windows Phone, and these things can work on tablets as well. So you can check that out, but 
Here's a quick overview. You could use something like a TRRS splitting cable to connect your mixer to your mobile device. So that way, whatever audio goes through your mixer goes out to your mobile device. That's what I use, and it works really well. You could use a special microphone that connects directly to your mobile device. Maybe if you plan to only live stream from your mobile device and you want to do so very conveniently. Like it could be a a TRRS lav mic, which then works on Android, iOS, Windows Phone. The Rode Smart Lav Plus is very good. Don't get the non-plus version. But there's also the Shure MVL, which Shure is going to send me a demo unit to review and then send back to them. So I'll have a review of that microphone coming fairly soon. These work very easily. They plug into the input on your device and you can use them then Periscope, Blab, whatever app there. There might be volume control issues though, depending on the platform and the tool that you're using. You could also consider a digitally connected microphone like the Sennheiser ClipMic Digital, the MKE2 Digital, or some other digital microphone that connects to the digital port on your device, like the lightning connector, or maybe you have an Android device with some other kind of connector, proprietary or otherwise. Or you could look at some kind of analog or digital mic interface that connects to your mobile device. Like the IK Multimedia iRig Pre can connect an XLR microphone to any mobile device, or the iRig Pro connects an XLR microphone to iOS devices. Or you could look at something like a USB camera adapter for Apple iOS devices that allows you to connect some USB microphones directly to that iOS device, like the ATR2100 can be connected to an iPhone through a USB adapter. And I've got links to each of these things and suggestions for what you could use in the show notes for episode 236 at theaudacitypodcast.com slash live tips. This is number eight, ensure quality audio. Number nine, light yourself well. Audio quality is the most important thing. And the second most important thing in video is your lighting. No, not the camera itself. It is the lighting because even a cheap, horrible webcam can look much better with good lighting. I see this often. People will be like, whoa, what kind of camera are you using? And I might tell them I'm using just such and such camera or And they'll be amazed, but that is because I'm using lighting in addition to that. You can get a lighting kit, and I've got a link in the show notes to a very inexpensive lighting kit that puts out 3,800 watts of light, CFL bulbs, very flexible kit, and it's under $200 US. It might be priced differently in other countries, but you can find something similar to it, and I've got a link to that in the show notes. But you don't have to have a lighting kit. Getting good lighting could mean simply sitting in front of a window so the light is spilling onto your face or diffusing that light in some way, like with a bed sheet or a shower curtain or something like that. Or it could mean putting lamps in front of your face instead of behind your face or behind your head. So that way the light is lighting your face, not your background or not lighting the camera or the back of your head. But it's very important to be lit really well. How this makes cheap webcams look better is that then the webcam doesn't have to work as hard to process very low lighting. If there's good lighting, then the webcam can essentially sit back and relax and capture the image and not have to work so hard. So then the image doesn't look so noisy and grainy and low quality. I can use my Logitech C920 
in a very high quality way. And I have done so. I've I made a video, in fact, showing the differences between using it with regular room lighting versus using it with studio lighting. It's simply a webcam. And it's only between $50 and $100, depending on pricing and sales at that time. But it's important to get good light. And that's a great way that you can improve the quality of your live streams. And that's tip number nine, light yourself well. Number 10, promote your own platform, not someone else's. This is one of my pet peeves, but it's especially important in this age where technologies come and go and some of them quite quickly. We're talking about Blab right now, and I know I've referenced Blab many times in this episode, but it's very possible that by the time you're listening to this episode, you may have never heard of Blab because it was acquired by someone else, it ran out of funding, the technology was shut down, or anything like that. This kind of stuff happens all the time. Yes, some technologies do survive and live a nice, long, full life of monetization, turning into a business model and all of that stuff, or being acquired and then incorporated into other technologies, making it even more accessible or more popular. But that shouldn't matter to you. You need to promote your platform first. And you do this by pointing people to your website for your content. Even if you use some kind of non-embeddable tool like Periscope, or Blab currently, or certain other things like that, where you can't embed it on your own website, still send people to your site for the link to that other service. For example, it could be myawesomepodcast.com slash live points to my next Blab event, or my next Meerkat, or a Google Plus Hangouts on Air event page, or maybe that slash live page is my own page with my YouTube live video embedded on that page. And then I can power that YouTube live video with Google Plus Hangouts on Air or with some other kind of live streaming technology. I can put whatever chat room I want to in that live chat room area on that page. In fact, if you go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash live as of September 2015, it's not actually a live page on theaudacitypodcast.com. It's the live page on the network website. Noodle Mix Network. But that's because I've set up that redirect. But I tell you, the audacity to podcast.com slash live. That's what you need to remember. So if I switch technologies in the future, it shouldn't matter as much to you as my audience because you're visiting my platform first. And then my platform either integrates whatever technology I want or redirects you to wherever I am. Dave Jackson does this with his podcast, Ask the Podcast Coach, which is live. Saturday mornings at 10.30 Eastern over at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. For a while, that URL would take you to his website where he would have the YouTube live embed there in a chat room embedded there. But more recently, he's been using Blab and having great success with it because of the nature of that show. It's perfect for Blab. And so now each week he updates that URL to point to the scheduled Blab event. So you don't have to try to remember to search for him on Blab or anything like that. You can just remember askthepodcastcoach.com slash live, and that takes you to whatever that correct place is. The most important thing here for you is to own your platform. And remember that all of these cool new toys and innovative technologies are only tools. They're not platforms. They're certainly not your platform, and they shouldn't be your platform. Your platform is the one you own. 
You could be using Periscope as a tool today, Blab tomorrow, maybe Meerkat the day after that, if Meerkat survives, or any other technology. But your platform is yours to fully control and then point people to where you want them to go. So regardless of the technology you use, make sure you're promoting people to connect with what you own, not with something else. If I were to say, my show is live every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern on Blab, what happens if someday I stop using Blab? You might go looking on Blab and I'm not there. But I tell you the audacity to podcast.com slash live. At this moment, it takes you to a live page with my YouTube live embed and an embedded chat room. And I am simultaneously live broadcasting on Blab for this episode. But maybe in the future, I change that. Maybe I want my own slash live page to go somewhere else. I can still say, to watch the show live on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash live. Then my audience doesn't have to worry about the technology. I take care of that. So that's tip number 10. Promote your own platform, not someone else's. Again, these 10 tips, which you can follow along in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash live tips, are number one, have good reasons to go live. Number two, become a better host. Number three, focus on your content. Number four, speak to your primary audience. Number five, learn how to use the right tools. Number six, include your live audience intentionally. Number seven, plan for repurposing. Number eight, ensure quality audio. Number nine, light yourself well. And number 10, promote your own platform, not someone else's. I'd love your thoughts on this list of tips for live streaming. And I know that any one of these 10 tips could be a whole episode itself. And I will dig deeper into some of these topics, maybe in the Audacity to Podcast, maybe in Podcaster Society. But I do want to cover more of these to help you get better as a podcaster and maybe even as a live streaming host. Thank you very much for the kind reviews in iTunes. I got a couple really cool ones this week, and this comes to me through my own service, mypodcastreviews.com, where you can get your own international podcast reviews from iTunes and Stitcher sent to you automatically. But this week, I want to thank Saki.net from Norway, who said something in a completely different language. So I had to run this through Google Translate. So this is a rough translation here. But uh, Saki.net from Norway in Norwegian said something like this, incredibly detailed program on all aspects of creating a podcast. DJ Lewis is not afraid to take the time to use and look at each topic from all possible angles. When he gives tips, he always explains why this is a good tip. Thank you very much for that kind review. If you'd like to read the untranslated version, and there's more to what he said than that, then click on the link in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash live tips. And John Baca from the United States said in English, Daniel really focuses on tips and advice that anyone can use themselves to improve their own podcast. And I really appreciate the research that goes into making these episodes. Unlike a lot of the how-to podcast shows, Daniel has been at this for quite a while. And for me, he is a very credible source of info and opinions. Thank you very much, John, for that kind review. If you'd like to write a review for the podcast as well in iTunes or Stitcher, I'd really appreciate it. Go to the audacitytopodcast.com and click on the appropriate link for either iTunes or Stitcher or whatever app that you want to use that you can write a review and subscribe there too. I've got two announcements for you. One is this week, that is September 24th, 
2015, I have my live free webinar with Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's Thursday, September 24th at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, GMT minus four. This is a podcaster society webinar, but it's open to the public and it's completely free to attend and you can watch the replay within 36 hours after the live event. But this will be a great conversation with Mignon about her success in podcasting, and we'll also talk a little bit about spoken grammar, something that sometimes it seems we don't think of that often because we're focused on there, there, and there, and two, two, and two, and which one to use where, and commas, and semicolons, and in dashes, hyphens, and m dashes, and when to use each of those. A lot of those things don't matter in spoken language. So we'll dig into that a little bit as well. If you'd like to register for this free webinar, then go to podcasterssociety.com, and I do have that link in the show notes as well to that. If you've been interested in Podcaster Society, this is the community where I help you improve your podcast and grow your podcast from average to amazing through webinars, through forums, through community, through real-time chats, through more secret stuff that we're developing behind the scenes and adding more and more value. If you've been interested in that and you didn't make it as a charter member, we are reopening the registration for only 36 hours and it will be easiest for you to join if you come to that webinar or if you join the waiting list over at podcasterssociety.com. So if you're interested in joining, you can't get in at the charter member discount anymore, but you can still get in at a low price because later the price will be higher. Again, each time I reopen the registration, the price might be a little bit higher as we add more and more value inside the community. And that's why I launched it with really a low price compared to where it will be someday is because we have a little value now. Actually, I think there is a lot of value already, but there's going to be even more value later on. So if you'd like to join, register for that webinar or join the waiting list at podcasterssociety.com. And I hope to see you in the webinar with Mignon Fogarty live Thursday, September 24th at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, GMT minus four. Go to podcasterssociety.com for more information on that. And the second and final announcement is, remember, International Podcast Day is September 30th. I have some big plans of things to do. I've already shifted one of the podcasts I was going to do on that day, shifted it to the day after so I could focus more on International Podcast Day. There will be the Gratitude Awards uh, announced on that day. And some other really cool stuff going on, a live stream for hours and hours, and we will be using Blab for that live stream. They are our official streaming partner for the event, and Blab is doing some amazing stuff to help make this happen, and we are really excited about this. It's more than what you can participate in on that day, but there are things you can do yourself. So go to internationalpodcastday.com to find out how you can celebrate podcasting on September 30th. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the tips that I provided in this episode and what kinds of things have helped you become a better host or to live stream well. And maybe even what are some of your thoughts on Blab, Periscope, YouTube Live, and some of these other technologies available. Please comment on the show notes and get the links for all the resources and equipment and tools I recommended at theaudacitypodcast.com slash live tips. I'd love to help you fix problems with your podcast, to start your podcast, whatever it is, please contact me through the website at theaudacitypodcast.com and we can work up either one-on-one consulting or I can sell you equipment or maybe fix a problem that you're having with your podcast. I want to help you podcast better. That's what Podcaster Society is about. That's what The Audacity to Podcast is about. 
So now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com and The Ramen Noodle on Twitter. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Like we've got Beyond the To-Do List and The Productive Woman both helping you to get things done. And we have our TV show fan podcast for Once Upon a Time coming back as the show is coming back. And we've got Welcome to Level 7 about Agent Carter, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and that whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and all of the spinoff shows and Daredevil and uh, Jessica Jones and all of these other things, all of that and more at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.